0: Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to study the scriptures with me as I continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God. There's an enormous emphasis placed in the Bible upon God's great scheme as he works it out in history. God's world history plan, his grand design for the human race, it's essential that we understand what it is that God is working at in his overall purpose to bring peace on this earth. From the very beginning, when the peace of mankind was fatally disrupted, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sold out to the devil, from that time onwards, God has been working out a wonderful restoration program. That program is based on what is called the covenant The covenant is simply a contract, a disposition or an agreement which God lays out before the human race and expects us to come into line with his conditions. That great contract was initially made with Abraham. Abraham is the model of Christian faith. In Romans 4, he's said to be the father of the faithful. Christians are supposed to walk in the faith of our father Abraham, that's Paul's phrase, And those who are of the faith of Abraham are the Christians drawn from the Jews and the Gentiles alike, those who share the faith of Abraham. Now, that faith of Abraham is Christian faith. You see, Jesus was the promised seed. Abraham, you remember, was promised both land and a distinguished descendant, seed. He was promised, if you like, soil and seed according to Galatians 3, verse 16, Jesus Christ was that promised seed, the distinguished descendant promised in the line of Abraham's family. That seed was Jesus Christ, Galatians 3:16. But there was also the land promise made to Abraham. Did you know that that land promise actually was made not only to Abraham, but to Jesus Christ himself, Let me read that clearly for you in Galatians 3 and verse 19. Paul asks there, why was the law? What was the purpose of the law of Moses? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed, that's to say Jesus Christ, until the seed should come, to whom the promise, the promised inheritance that is, to whom the promise of the inheritance had been made. Do you realize that the promised inheritance, the land promise made to Abraham, was ultimately promised to Jesus Christ? Jesus himself was the recipient of the great land promise. He's the one to whom this promise was made. So not only was Jesus the seed, but he was also the recipient of the promise of the land. The whole of God's great program, his overarching plan and scheme for world history is based on this covenant promise made to Abraham. And that same covenant was developed in the line of David's family later, a thousand years after the time of Abraham. David was also promised a distinguished descendant in perpetuity. You see, if you have a land, you need a king to preside over that land, to rule over that land. And so the entirety of the Bible story is based on this backbone promise of the seed and the soil. In order to grasp the meaning of the Christian faith, it's essential to realize that it's based on the preceding covenants made with Abraham and with David. Jesus, you see, did not come inventing a brand new faith. He himself said that he did not come to destroy the Old Testament that's 77% of our Bible, what Jesus did was to proclaim himself to be the rightful heir of the kingdom promises. He said that he was the chosen seed of Abraham, and Paul, as we've just seen, confirmed that in Galatians 3.16. Jesus claimed to be the king, the Messiah, the king destined to rule in the kingdom of God. But the inheritance which Jesus promised is still in the future. Did you know that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are presently dead? They're not surviving as disembodied souls in heaven. That would be an impossible idea within the terms of the Bible. The Bible doesn't believe in disembodied souls. It knows only of embodied people. You're either dead in the Bible or you're alive in a body. I'm sure you remember that when Jesus came back from death by resurrection... He said to some of his disciples, Touch me, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a specter, I'm not a phantom. In fact, he said, Touch me, I have flesh and I have bones. But that was the resurrected, immortalized Jesus with whom they spoke and with whom they ate on that occasion. Jesus was able to eat and drink as an immortalized person Unlike the other major faiths in the world, Christianity states that you are going to be you as an individual forever. There's no loss of personality in the resurrection. When you return from death via resurrection, you too will be palpable, touchable, visible, and able to eat and drink. We've seen already what it is to be an immortalized human person. Jesus alone, of all the human beings who have walked this earth, demonstrated what it was to be made immortal and to reappear on the earth as a visible corporeal personality. Touch me, he says, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have, Luke 24 and verse 39. Now the great plan made with Abraham, the great covenant, designates this earth as the scene of salvation. You see, Jesus linked his own teaching... To the great land promise made to Abraham. Listen to it clearly stated by Jesus in his own words in Matthew 5 and verse 5. Jesus said there, Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the earth or the land. That word earth or land, by the way, is an equally good translation for the original Greek there. The Greek word means both earth and land, but Jesus there was quoting from Psalm 37 verse 11. And if you go back into your Old Testament, you'll find there that the psalmist promised the land as the permanent residence and reward for the faithful. Jesus simply took up that same promise and confirmed it and applied it to the Christians. Blessed are those who develop the characteristic of meekness. They're going to have the land, the great land promise made to Abraham, the inheritance promise to all of the saints, They're going to have the land, that's to say the earth, renewed when Jesus returns to rule in power and glory in Jerusalem. That promise of the land runs like a golden thread throughout the entirety of Scripture. In order to grasp God's wonderful plan in history, it's essential to understand that covenant, that oath-bound covenant with Abraham by which God promised him the land forever. Let me read you the terms of that great covenant, straight out of Genesis chapter 15. In verse 1 I read this, After these things the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord, by the way, occurs for the first time in Scripture there, is that phrase, and it's a phrase which later applied to the Christian gospel in the New Testament. After these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Don't be afraid, Abraham, I'm a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Since you have given me no seed, no offspring, one born in my house will be my heir. But then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body. He will be your heir. And then God took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens, and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And God said to him, So shall your descendants or your seed be. Then Abraham believed the Lord, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Do you see that great defining text for righteousness and for faith? Did you know that that verse is quoted by Paul as the model of Christian faith in the New Testament? Abraham believed God, And God counted that as righteousness to Abraham. You see what God is interested in here? What pleases God is our humble, childlike submission to the great plan and promises of God. God, in this passage in Genesis 15, simply promised Abraham that despite the fact that his wife was old, despite the fact that he had no sons of his own, yet God said his sons would be as numerous as the stars of heaven... Abraham simply relied on the truth of God's words here. It was simply the acceptance of divinely inspired information which pleased God, which made Abraham righteous in the sight of God. You too can have that righteousness accredited to you if you will take the words of God at face value, if you'll give credence to the words of the Lord God and believe in his salvation plan, plan by which he promised the seed and the soil to Abraham and the plan by which he promises to give you the very same inheritance that inheritance which is given to Jesus it's given to Abraham and it's given to you if you're a faithful Christian baptized and understanding the gospel of the kingdom having had your sins forgiven by the death of Jesus and believing also that he's now been resurrected and taken to the right hand of the father and that he's guiding you towards the end of the journey of faith, which is the inheritance in the future of the kingdom or the land, when Jesus comes back to rule in that kingdom. Let me read you now from the 17th chapter of Genesis, where Abraham continued faithfully to believe in God's words and plans. Now, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. Remember that at this stage Abraham still didn't have a son of his own, but God had promised him that his seed would be like the stars of heaven, that he would have a multitude of nations as his descendants, No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and your seed after you, throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you, and to your seed after you. And I will give to you, Abraham, and to your seed after you, the land of your sojournings, that's to say the land where you're now a resident alien, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Did you know that that solemn agreement made between the God of heaven and earth and Abraham is actually the foundational constitution of the whole of God's dealings with mankind? It's the foundation of the Christian faith because Jesus came to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs the fathers of Israel you read that in Romans 15 verse 8 Jesus came to preach a confirmation of the promises made to the forefathers Jesus did not invent a new faith he came to confirm and to bring into power and to promise for the future the future lying still ahead of us the great land promise made to Abraham that promise as Paul said in Romans 4 13 is that Abraham would be heir of the world. I'm sure you see there a direct connection with the famous words of Jesus that the meek are going to inherit the earth and that they're going to rule as kings upon the earth. Matthew 5, 5 and Revelation 5, verse 10. I've written a book on the kingdom of God which we'd like to offer to you for your personal Bible study. Join us again as we continue with our discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.